So today we're going to talk about this topic. It's, it's a huge, huge topic. So we're just going to briefly address it as, as best as possible. We're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan. This parable isn't specifically or exclusively about racism, but I do think it's relevant to racism. And so this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to look at this parable, and we're going to just kind of have three points to guide us through this parable. We're going to look at racism, we're going to look at rescue, and then finally response. So racism, rescue, and response. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. If you're new to the Bible, um, Luke is in the, the second half of the Bible, and it's the third book in the New Testament. If, you've, if you're at Matthew, keep going to your right, and if you've gotten to a book called John or Acts, you've, you've gone too far. All right, so we're in Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 37. Here now, God's awesome and powerful word to us this morning. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave, it, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go. And do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that only your word can change our hearts. Father, we thank you that we don't have to wait for government policies. Father, we thank you that we don't have to wait for our neighbors to get better educated. We don't have to wait for the economy to get better, Father. Father, we thank you that this morning we just need to wait on you and trust and depend and rest on you and your word to change us through your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would do that this morning. 
Father, we ask that we would not leave this place the same way that we came in. Father, that you would change us, that you would make us more like Jesus. Father, we pray these things and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to I start with racism, and I want to define it for us just very briefly. And there are all kinds of de- uh, definitions of racism, but this is, I think, uh, maybe the most helpful for us. I'm trying to make this clear. Is that racism is the individual and the communal belief, along with the oppressive, the unjust, and the negligent actions based on that belief, that one's race is better than that of others. It's the belief, it's believing and then acting on that belief that you are better than others because of your God-given skin color, your God-given physical features, and your God-given genetic makeup. There are a number of reasons why racism is a sin according to the Bible. There are a number of reasons, but this morning, based on the story of the Good Samaritan, and then based on the context of this story, this parable, I want to give you three reasons for why racism is a sin. Three reasons. One, uh, it breaks the first great commandment. Secondly, it breaks the second great commandment. And thirdly, racism is a sin because it tries to be right by limiting the number of people you have to love. All right? So we're going to look at racism as a sin because it breaks the first commandment, the great commandment, the second great commandment, and because it tries to limit the number of people that we have to love. First, I want us to look at the the first great commandment. Um, The lawyer who approaches Jesus um, asks him what he needs to do uh, to basically inherit eternal life. Jesus asks him, well, what, what is the law? What is written in the law? And then the lawyer answers correctly. The first great commandment, according to the Bible, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. All right? If you didn't know this, this, this great commandment, the first one, is a summary to simplification of the first four commandments in the famous Ten Commandments. All right? So this is, this is how we can simplify those first four great commandments. And it basically means to love God with your entire being, with everything that's in you. You are loving God. In a sense, and in this sense, racism is a sin because it loves one's race more than it loves God. Racism is a sin because it loves who you are, your physical features, your ethnic uh, distinctives more than it loves God. It's basing and defining and looking for your personal identity and worth in your race instead of looking to God for those things. It's making your race, a good and unique gift from God, the best and the ultimate thing in your life. It's making your race the most important thing in your life, even more important than God. Racism is a sin because it makes your race your God. It makes 
this one thing, your race, the thing that you worship more than anything else, the, the thing that you fear losing more than anything else, the thing that you get most angry about when it is attacked somehow, and it's the thing that makes you most happy. Racism is loving your race, not God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. So racism is sin because it breaks the first great commandment. It's also sin because it breaks the second great commandment. Now, the second half of the Ten Commandments are summarized by the second great commandment, which basically reads, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It means to love others as much as you love yourself. It means loving others the way you want others to love you. And in this sense, racism is a sin because you love yourself more than others because of your race. Because of your race. Racism is believing and then living like you are more worthy of love than others because of your race. Racism is believing and then living like you deserve more dignity. You deserve more respect. You deserve more value than others because of your race, which, by the way, you did nothing to get. Racism is believing and living like you are more human than others of different races. Racism is believing and then living like you are the only one made in God's image. Racism is denying others the dignity, the respect, the value, the love and service that they should receive because simply they have a different race than yours, which they did nothing to get themselves. It is believing and living like people of other races are less human than you, and again, not made in the image of God. Racism in our hearts and in our actions is like the robbers in the parable. Racism strips others of their dignity. Racism neglects to care for others. And racism is more concerned about comfort and convenience and social cleanliness and the status quo than it is about others. And in that sense, racism is like the, Lord, the, the Levite and the priest, right? So racism is a sin because it breaks the second great commandment. I want us to go a little bit deeper because racism is a sin, finally, because it tries to be right by limiting the number of people we have to love trying to be right by only saying, I, need, I only need to love a certain few people. The lawyer who first approached Jesus, we are told, wanted to justify himself. He wanted to make himself right with, him, uh, with God, and then he wanted to be rewarded for being right. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I don't think he, he wanted to know the answer to that question. I, I don't think he didn't know the definition of what a neighbor is. We're being told that he wants to be right, 
and he asks a question that he hopes the answer will prove him right. So he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Essentially, what's the minimum number of people I have to love to make myself right with God and, side note, better than others? Give me a list, Jesus, of the specific people I need to love. Jesus, who is good enough to be my neighbor? And this is what racism does. It tries to justify us. It tries to make us right and others wrong by restricting the number of people we have to love. And it restricts it to the kind of people, honestly, that, that are like us. That are like us, right? Skin color, ethnicity, culture, etc. But Jesus, Jesus won't limit the people we have to love. Jesus won't give us that list. Instead of answering to the lawyer, who is good enough to be my neighbor, Jesus forces us to ask, am I good enough to be a neighbor? Instead of answering, who is my neighbor, Jesus forces us to ask, am I a neighbor? And instead of Answering, whom do I have to love? Jesus forces us to ask, whom do I have to be? And instead of telling us how we can make ourselves right by God, by limiting the number and the kind of people we love, Jesus forces us to realize that if we're going to be right with God, We have to perfectly love and serve anyone and everyone, regardless of race. And we have to show perfect compassion and mercy to anyone and everyone, regardless of their race. This morning, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with God, we don't. We don't want to associate with certain people. There are people in our lives that we don't like and we don't care for. There are people in our lives we ignore and neglect. There are people in our lives of whom we speak poorly and treat harshly. There are people in our lives that we detest and hate because of their race, because of their genetics, because of their God-given uniqueness. If we're honest with ourselves and, again, with God, we try to justify ourselves, right? We try to make ourselves right and better than others by convincing ourselves that we don't have to love anyone and everyone. We try to tell ourselves that only certain people deserve our love and our service. If we're honest with ourselves this morning and again with God, we know that left to ourselves, without God, by ourselves, we are no better than the robbers and the religious leaders in the story. We do not want to be the Good Samaritan. Let's be honest. We don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be good, a good neighbor to everyone and to anyone. We care more about our comfort. 
We care more about our convenience. We care more about our social cleanliness. We care more about the status quo than we do about the oppression of our neighbors who have been robbed, have been beaten, have been murdered because of their race. And if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we need a good neighbor. We need a good Samaritan to come rescue us, right? We need someone to have mercy on us, to have compassion on us, to help us, to heal us. We need someone to rescue us. I think we, we, we oftentimes read this parable and we hear the command at the end to go and do likewise. But we forget that on our own, we can't. And so this story that Jesus told is actually pointing us to himself. Because you and I need the good Samaritan to come and rescue us. Not just because of racism, but also because of all the other sins and selfishness and the hate and hurt in our lives. The story of the Good Samaritan is one of Jesus' famous, most famous teaching stories. And at the center is a, a character, a person who comes to rescue. And that's our second point, a person that comes to rescue. But we need to understand that this hero in this story, he, he was hated by others around him. He was a Samaritan. In Jesus' day, Jewish people considered Samaritans to be half-breed Jews. They were hated because their Jewish ancestors had married non-Jewish people and because they had not only mixed the races, but then they had also mixed the religions. Samaritans were publicly, get this, they were publicly cursed by, in Jewish synagogues by Jewish leaders. And the religious leaders in Jesus' day would daily pray that God would not give Samaritans eternal life. So when we read the story of the Good Samaritan, we're reading the story of a person, a hero that came to rescue someone else who was hated because of their race and were someone that was publicly hated. And Jesus chooses to make the Samaritan the hero of this story instead of the villain. It's, a, it's an ironic twist, right? And it's, I think, especially relevant as we talk about racism. The hero in this story is the person that you and I secretly don't want to be close to, don't want to love, don't want to serve because of their race. And despite being socially rejected and racially hated uh, by others, a Samaritan does in the story what no one else does. He has compassion and mercy on the half-dead man on the side of the road. He, he rescues, he helps, he heals the man. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but the Good Samaritan undoes everything that was done to the man on the side of the road. Instead of robbing the man, the Samaritan pays for his expenses. 
Instead of leaving the man to die, the Samaritan stays with him to make sure that he lives. Instead of abandoning the man or neglecting him, the Samaritan promises to return. He is undoing everything that had been done to this man on the side of the road. But I think even more importantly, the Samaritan doesn't just undo what others did. The, the Samaritan doesn't just make right what everyone else had made wrong. The Samaritan sacrifices himself in order to save and to serve the helpless stranger. The Samaritan sacrifices his own safety, his own time, his own money. The Samaritan becomes a servant and risks his own life in order to rescue a fellow human being. And as I said already, it's in this hero, this rescuer, this good Samaritan that we see a glimpse of Jesus himself. We see a reflection of Jesus We see in the story of the Good Samaritan, not just a hero in a story, but we find the hero of our story. A hero who, although he was an outsider, hated by many of his own people, willingly chose to serve and rescue us from our sin and from our death. A hero who, although he was hated, ultimately sacrificed himself. Not just his safety, not just his time, not just his comfort, but even his life. A hero that sacrificed himself to the end so that you and I might live and have a new life, a changed life in him. As we think about racism in general and racism even in our hearts, we have to look to Jesus to rescue us. We can't wait for government policies to catch up. We can't wait for the economy to get better. We can't wait for our neighbors to get better education. When we're dealing with racism, we have to look to Jesus. This morning, do you believe that you need Jesus to be your good Samaritan? Do you believe that you need to be rescued by Jesus? That's the question I think this morning that we need to be asking ourselves. Maybe the most important question. Is Jesus my good Samaritan? Do I need him? Do I need to be rescued by him? And finally, as we, as we wrap up this morning... For those of us who who have accepted Jesus as our rescuer, for those of us who have accepted him as our good Samaritan, the one who laid down his life so that we might live in him and forever, for those of us who believe that Jesus is our savior, our rescuer, our good Samaritan, the story of the good Samaritan requires a response from us. It requires a response from us. But it's not just the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the story of Jesus. It's the gospel that requires a response from us in our lives beyond just believing and accepting the rescue that Jesus gives us. 
if we have been selflessly rescued, if we have been mercifully and compassionately and sacrificially rescued by Jesus, we must be like the Good Samaritan and go and do likewise, like Jesus tells the lawyer at the end of the story. We must do our best as individual Christians. We must do our best as the church of Jesus to undo all the hateful, all the hurtful things that have been done to our neighbors and even by our neighbors, regardless of our race and regardless of their race. Because of the gospel, we must make right what has been made wrong. We must selflessly and sacrificially show mercy and compassion to our neighbors. And let me be frank, tweeting about it and posting on Instagram isn't going to cut it. It's going to take your whole life. It's going to take a lot of hard work and time and energy, and it's going to be messy. You can't just go online And then pretend like you've dealt with the issue of racism. It's going to take more than a selfie in a parade or a protest. Right? It's going to take your life. It's going to take hard work. At Servant Church, we are trying. Individually and as a church, we are trying daily to love and to serve our neighbors who have been demeaned who have been degraded and despised because of their race. By God's grace, I can say that our church, our little church, it's three years old, it's a tiny church, but by God's grace, in our community, in Greater Logan Heights, we started the church. We chose to specifically go there, and we draw our boundaries very, very exclusively. We do everything within what we call the triangle of the 5, the 15, and the 94. We do everything there because we believe that a Christ-centered and a grace-filled church shouldn't only be for people of a certain color, of a certain education, and of a certain status. We chose to go in there by God's grace, and he's kept us there by his grace. By God's grace, our little church, servant church, started a counseling organization specifically focused on Greater Logan Heights. Again, because we believe that counseling shouldn't just be a luxury for a few people who can afford it or who can travel long distances to get counseling. We have intentionally brought in counselors to deal with mental health issues, right? to help parents to, to raise their children well, to, to teach them how to discipline their children positively, and even with grace. Imagine that. We did that because we believe that our neighbors shouldn't have to have enough money or enough resources to go out of their neighborhood to get counseling. And by God's grace, our little church, we started an after-school reading club to help kids read and to learn about Jesus. As a side note, we found out from research that if you're an ethnic minority and if you're poor and if you're not reading 
at grade level by third grade, you're six times more likely to drop out of high school. And about 80% of the men who are in jail today are high school dropouts. We believe that reading, especially reading the God's word, shouldn't be a privilege for a few, but it should be a blessing for many. I'm giving you these examples not to brag on our little church. I'm giving you an example, these examples, because this is what it's going to take to undo all the hate and all the hurt that has been uh, placed upon our neighbors and their communities. We're doing a lot of other things with our little church and in our community, things that take a lot of time, a lot of energy, and a lot of money, and a lot of life, to be frank. But we're doing it because we want to love and serve our neighbors because our Savior loved and served us. And this morning, I want to encourage you that you can love and serve your neighbors too because you have the gospel because you have the grace of God in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, part of, part of this discussion on racism is having to look deeply into our hearts. It's a painful process. And part of talking about this topic of racism does, does require a little bit of hurt and pain and discomfort. I'm going to leave that to the Holy Spirit. I want the Word of God to do that in your hearts. This morning, I want to, along with racism, I want to tell you that I'm not here to tell you that you have too many privileges. I'm not here to tell you that you have too much because of your skin color, your education, or your your economics. I'm not here to tell you you have too much. I'm here to tell you that you have enough to love and to serve your neighbor in Jesus' name. You have enough. You're not lacking in anything. You don't have too much or too little. You have enough right now individually and as a church to love your neighbor as Jesus has loved and served you. I want to be clear this morning. The gospel that saves us is also the gospel that calls us not only to fight racism in our society, in our hearts, but also to daily love and serve our neighbors regardless of race. And I want to be clear. We, we don't love and serve our neighbor to justify ourselves. We don't do it to make ourselves right or more right than others. We do it because we have already been justified by Jesus. We do it because we have already been made right with God. And therefore, we can do right. We can love and we can serve in his name for his glory. We can share with others our good Samaritan. We can share with others our perfect neighbor. We can share with others our servant, Savior, and his name is Jesus. Let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning 
above all else for Jesus. Father, we thank you that when we were dead and dying on the side of the road, when we were unable to rescue ourselves or even to cry out for help, Father, you sent your Son, our Savior, our good Samaritan, to rescue us. Father, we thank you for a Savior who came to undo all the hate and all the hurt in this world. We thank you for a Savior that came to give himself up, give up his life, that we might have life in him and with you forever. Father God, we pray that that would change us. Father, we pray this morning that you would forgive us as well. We confess that too often we have let racism creep into our hearts. We've looked down on others for their skin color, their ethnicity, their culture, and in all kinds of other ways, Father. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would forgive us. We ask that you would show mercy to us this morning. And Father, we pray this morning that as a church, as your people, as neighbors who live in this community and in San Diego, Father, that our lives would reflect the life of Jesus. Father God, that, that we would be these, these many parables that as people look at our lives, they would see not us, but they would see Jesus. Father, that you would allow us by your grace to do the hard work of loving and serving others as Jesus has loved and served us. Father, we ask these things and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.